following message is from Narrative Church, a Lutheran church located in Williamson County, Texas. For more information, go to www.narrative.church. We're talking about the sending of the 72 today, and this is a story that has personal significance and impact in my walk in faith. So when I grew up, I was the pastor's kid. So my dad actually in two weeks will celebrate 40 years in ministry. So he'll have uh, spent 40 years, uh, it's his ordination is kind of the day they mark that. So with that, he, um, he has just done an incredible job. He's been at the church he's at. Uh, Matt, how old are you, 32? 33 years. So they came right before Matt was born. So we can measure how long dad's been at Christ the King by how old Matt is. So it'll be 33 years um, in August. But um, there's some interesting things that happen when you grow up as the pastor's kid. And I know um, that we have actually quite a few pastor's kids here at Narrative. But there's some different expectations on you. And for me, one of those was I ended up um, helping with youth group, and serving in a lot of those ways. I was in the youth group band. I got to play in, in big church sometimes too, and those kinds of things. But there's a lot of expectations placed on you. And one of the ones I actually placed on myself is this burden of conversion. It was this burden I put on myself that said, I need to be out bringing as many people to the Lord as I can. And if I'm not then that's a reflection on me. Now, here was the hard tension in that. I wanted that, but I didn't necessarily want to go through the steps that led to that. Because Paul writes in the book of Romans, he says, faith comes by hearing. And so we know that when we talk, the the way that the Spirit connects with people is through other people. Exactly. Thank you, Millie. And so we know that that happens. And so um, there's this old quote, I think, I forget who it's attributed to, but it says, um, uh, I will show you my uh, faith by the things that I do. And, and that's a good thing, but there's also a piece of saying, hey, like, you got to talk to people. you got to tell them who Jesus is, what he's about. Well, that weighed pretty heavy on me for a long time. And I would say that probably for all of us in our Christian walk, sharing our faith is probably a heavy weight. It's one of those things that we know that when we look at Scripture, Jesus says over and over and over again, you know, you don't take a lamp and put it under a bowl. You use salt to give things taste. That part of being Christians is that we share who we are and what God has done for us. And this weight hit me that I thought I had to be the Lutheran Billy Graham. You know, I had to walk out my door in the morning and just people are like, oh, hey, I heard your door close. Do you want to tell me who Jesus is? Now that never happened, ever. So I wore this weight around my neck in my own faith for a long time. And then this story that we read today was walked through by someone, and it opened my eyes to say, when Jesus says, 
My yoke is easy. My burden is light. He wasn't lying. Because when I thought about sharing my faith, I would also think about that verse where it's like, Jesus, you said your burden was light. This is heavy. But if we look at the sending of the 72, it's really neat to see how Jesus works here. So first off, he sends 72 people. Now he's got his innermost, right? He's got the 12 disciples. These 12 goofballs who follow him wherever he goes and always ask the stupid questions, which I'm really glad for because that would have been me. So we get these 12 disciples who end up, you know, Jesus is training them to go out and start the church. So they get to be goofballs with him for three years because once he's gone, they're the ones that are being sent out. But from that, we know that as Jesus walked around the countryside, the 12 were the closest to him, but there was somewhere between 50 and 150 of just people that followed him wherever he went. So when he sends out 72, this would have been the 12 plus 60 of these people who were just following him. And notice what he says here. He says, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest field. That is our 10.02 verse. That is the place we start. Laborers in the field. And I love that too, because whose harvest is it? That was the first thing I always got wrong was when I thought I need to share my faith, it always would point in on me. But this verse says, pray to the Lord of the harvest. So often I would put myself in that role. I had to force this harvest to happen. I had to force things to grow. No, I'm a laborer and I'm to pray for more laborers. Jesus says, go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Now he also is sending them in pairs. So they're not alone. And not only are they not alone, look at what they're supposed to leave behind. No money bag, no knapsack, no sandals. Greet no one on the road. There's an old phrase, two is one and one is none. The idea being you always carry two of something so that if one gets lost or broken, you have it. And what Jesus here is saying is, yeah, only take one. Only take the thing that'll get you from here to there because you have to trust me that I'm going to care for you. And notice that he understands what it's going to be like I am sending you out as lambs amongst wolves. He understands what life's going to be like. He doesn't say, oh, it's going to be easy. No, I'm sending you as lambs amongst wolves. Now, here is what really changed my understanding. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not... It will return to you and remain in the same house, eating and drinking whatever they provide, for the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. We call this idea the person of peace. 
So often we take an approach to sharing our faith that says, I got to knock on every door. I got to go to every place. Instead of looking and saying, the Lord is sending me out and in my way and on my way, there are people that he has set up as people of peace for me to invest my time in. And he's not calling us to go, okay, this person, this person. He's like, no, stay there. Don't leave. The freedom I found in these verses and in this story comes here. Because first I realized whose harvest it was. Then I realized who I needed to trust. And then I realized I don't convert anyone. The Lord is out there working people of peace in my way that he's calling me to invest in. And it doesn't matter if I'm the person planting seeds for the harvest or reaping the harvest. I do what the Lord says. If there's a person of peace, I stay there. What does a person of peace look like? A person of peace is a person who when you connect with them, they want to connect with you. They want to serve you. They want to get to know you. And sometimes it feels weird because you're like, maybe I don't want this person to be my person of peace. Tough. And sometimes a person of peace is for an afternoon and sometimes it's for a lifetime. But it's looking and saying, can we do this? And can we do what it says next? Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you, heal the sick and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. That's what they're supposed to go and say. The kingdom of God has come near to you. What will happen when Jesus ascends and the diaspora hits and all of the disciples start spreading out around the known world? They show up in different cities and different towns healing people around them and declaring that the kingdom of God has come near. In the book of Philippians, it's so beautiful because Paul and Barnabas roll into Philippi and they're looking for a place, but there is no synagogue because the history of Philippi is that it is a colony of Rome. It was a great battleground and mining town that financed Philip's moves around and his wars into the known world. But then it was also the battlefield that when Julius Caesar was assassinated, these are where the great armies met to decide who would be the leaders of Rome. Because if you want me to draw a couple lines for you, the Caesar Augustus we read about is the Caesar who follows Julius Caesar. History is happening and so Paul and Barnabas roll into this town that has been set up as a colony specifically for the great warriors of the force who overcame on the battlefield of Philippi. So it is a Roman colony, and there is no synagogue. So they go out to a river where a woman who knows who God is but doesn't quite understand, is not fully a Jewish woman, is leading a prayer service by the river. And they show up. And they talk about how the kingdom of God has come near to you. 
And this woman, Lydia, says, this is what we've been looking for. Come to my house. The church at Philippi becomes one of the cornerstone early churches because Paul and Barnabas stayed with Lydia because she was a person of peace in this city where there shouldn't have been connection, in this place where Rome ruled. But Philippi becomes this cornerstone. And so when we look at this for ourselves, we look and we say, Lord, where is my person of peace? Where are my people of peace? People who don't know you or who are far from you. But somehow that connection keeps happening. And I love how this section and story ends because I was always afraid to preach about it until a couple years ago I realized it is actually a blessing because it ends with the kingdom of God has come near to you but whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you go to its streets and say even the dust of your town that clings to our feet we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, the kingdom of God has come near to you. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. So Sodom, being Sodom and Gomorrah, which is destroyed by fire from heaven. And I always thought, oh no, here's this great story about how we're to go share and you know invite people into the kingdom. And foolish Jesus ends it with this really drastic thing. Why would he do that? But here's the peace he's giving to his people. He's saying, listen, if they don't listen to you, that's not your problem. That's not on you. Because what it gives us is a freedom to say, at the end of the day, whether someone believes or doesn't believe, that is the Holy Spirit's job. My job is to be the one who comes and says, the kingdom of God has come near. And think of it wiping off your feet. For us, this would be, all right, that's your decision. Now, I wouldn't encourage you to look at them and go, you know, it's going to be worse for you than it was for Sodom later. Like, don't do that. What Jesus is saying here when he's talking to his disciples is he's saying, listen, you're free from that decision. This is why I get bothered when, you know, a natural disaster happens and some clickbait pastor or televangelist comes on, and they know the reason why. And it's because we have become Babylon, and so everyone is being destroyed. Listen, we don't decide that. One of the freedom gifts we are given as Christians is we look and we say, we don't decide for God his justice. You see, when he said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light, he took this yoke of you having to be the one to declare to someone, oh yeah, it's going to be worse for you than Sodom. No, he's taking that and saying, listen, that's how it's going to be. But you just wipe your feet off and you keep going. Because here's the thing, you wiping your feet off might be planting a seed for that person that three people down the road, they're going to run into someone and all of a sudden it's going to click. And so for me, this story of the 72 gave me so much peace and took away so much guilt. Now, it still is a pressure on my life to say, who are my people of peace? And some, sometimes I'm really good at that, and sometimes I'm really bad at that. 
But I want to start looking around and going, Lord, how do I see these people of peace that you are putting in my way, in my neighborhood, in the places I hang out, amongst your people, amongst the community? So here are the things I think we ask ourselves with this story. Are we praying for harvest workers? We start every week, 10.02. This is the only day of the week my alarm doesn't go off at 10.02 because I know we're going to be praying here. But we have, me and Matt have 10.02 alarm set that every day at 10.02 we stop, we pray for harvest workers. Because when we pray, we are going to the king saying, we need more in the harvest. So if you'd want to commit to that alongside of us, we invite you. Can you trust the Lord to provide? That he knows you're going out amongst wolves. Listen, he's seen Facebook. He knows what it is. He's seen the political landscape. He has seen our country. He has seen countries rise and fall. He knew when he sent out, he said, I'm sending you amongst wolves. But notice that he still sent can you trust that the Lord will provide? One of my favorite stories um, is my buddy Mark talks about in a situation like this, he was connecting with someone who was far from the Lord and he knew he was going to have to give him an answer about something that that person wasn't going to like. And he said, I was calling them on the phone and as I was calling, as the phone was ringing, I just kept praying, Lord, your word's not mine. Your word's not mine. Can that be our prayer? To say, as we are seeking people of peace, Lord, we don't have the right words. Can we trust yours? Your words, not ours. Who is, your, who is or are your person or people of peace? And if the answer to that is no one, the challenge is open your eyes and see where the Lord is putting them in your way. And can you let go of Vengeance. We live in a time where we love vengeance. I mean, like, why is Batman popular? Because he gets the vengeance. Why do we love, you know, cop shows and procedurals and all these things? Because we love seeing the bad guy get their due. It sure is hard to talk to a person of peace when all we're waiting for them is for them to get their vengeance. Can we give up on that idea and give it to the Lord and say, Lord, even in disagreements, even in, in them being my enemy, can I focus on the person of peace and the kingdom goal and declaring the kingdom of God is near and let go of vengeance? Let's pray. Lord, open our eyes to see where you're leading. Lord, open our hearts to pray that you would send out harvest workers. Lord, we ask that you would let us connect with people of peace, people who need to hear the good news of Jesus. And Lord, may we rejoice that this burden does not lie on us, but is instead fully on you and the work of your Spirit and that you have called us to join in your mission. Your Son, Jesus' name we pray. Amen.